Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Andrea Jackson, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of grace, ever faithful to your promises, the earth rejoices in hope of our Savior's coming and looks forward with longing to his return at the end of time. Prepare our hearts to receive him when he comes, for he is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Today, the first Sunday of Advent, begins the ritual of lighting the candle that symbolizes the light of God coming to the earth. The circle of greens represents God's eternity. The candle we light today represents hope. It is the joyful expectation of God with us. Listen now to the scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7 that prepares us for Jesus' arrival. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ. God is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love.
He is close to all who call on him in truth, listening to their cries for help and offering them salvation. So let's bring our confession to God, knowing that he will hear our prayers and forgive. Let us pray. God of the future, you are coming in power to bring all nations under your rule. We confess that we have not expected your kingdom, for we live casual lives, ignoring your promised judgment. We accept lies as truth, exploit neighbors, abuse the earth, and refuse your justice and peace. In your mercy, forgive us. Grant us wisdom to welcome your way and to seek things that will endure when Christ comes to judge the world. In Jesus' name, amen. The good news of Advent is that Jesus Christ has come into the world, has led the way through death that we might have life, and he is coming again to make all things new. Hear these words of assurance from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Your sin has been paid for. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. And now with followers of Jesus across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us show Jesus love by greeting our neighbors.
Caught you off guard with that, didn't we, huh? <laughs> this little light of mine, that is our theme for Advent. Advent begins today, as I'm sure you well know, and we are going to be focused on that theme of this little light of mine as the light shines in the darkness and wondering about our own little lights and how they can shine in the world. You may want to pay attention to our little insert in the bulletin that reminds you of very practical ways by which you can shine your light in the world. Don't let that confine you to other creative ways by which every day you can think about doing something a little different, a little bit uh, focused on somebody else in the world that uh, would be a way by which you to, for a way for you to shine your light uh, in this world. So we encourage you to do that. We also encourage you on your way out the door to pick up an Advent devotional that begins again today, our readings for the season of Advent. And uh, it's just a wonderful little booklet. It's filled with beautiful children's art from our own children, as well as great reflections on the Advent season done by members of our congregation. So make sure to take one of those per family. Perhaps you might want to take an additional one to give to somebody else as a way by which to encourage them to join you in that journey of Advent and perhaps even to come and be a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. Also, our Connect magazine is available, so make sure you grab one of those on the way out the door and you'll be aware of all the things that are coming up in the month of December. And in January, Christmas flower envelopes are available for you who would like to adorn, help to adorn our sanctuary with poinsettias and the uh, beautiful floral uh, accoutrements of the season. So we encourage you to use one of those envelopes to make a dedication uh, for someone you love uh, to help beautify our, our celebration. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a Christmas cookie uh, sampling out underneath our tree there. For those of you who have that secret cookie, Christmas cookie recipe that you want to make sure that we enjoy the fruits of, uh, we would love for you to bake some cookies. There's information about that on page eight of your bulletin, but that will be uh, something we hope to enjoy in a couple of weeks. Uh, and if you have any questions about cookies, talk to Dr. Brown. <laughs> She's the cookie person. This coming Saturday, our Messiah concert, one thing you're not going to want to miss in your Advent journey is to be here on Saturday at 4 o'clock as the Sarasota Choral Festival uh, gathers together to share with us, along with members of our choir and music ministry, uh, the Messiah. So we hope that you'll join us for that this coming. Tickets are available underneath the tree or in the front office. If you would like to help us out with uh, our parking and the hospitality ministry this coming Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve is a full day for us. It's on Sunday. <laughs> that means we have seven services on Christmas Eve. <laughs> we just can't wait. So we... Um, but uh, you can especially help us on Christmas Eve evening by uh, helping us, especially we got some new parking that's available for everyone here on the south side of our sanctuary. And uh, we're going to need help to getting people into the right spots. If you have not a whole lot to do on Christmas Eve, if, in other words, if you're not on the church staff uh, and you don't have a whole lot to do on Christmas Eve, you might want to make yourself available for that. Information on that uh, is on page 9. And we are so grateful for those who volunteered to help decorate our sanctuary. Would you give them a big round of applause? Yes. <clears throat> Your generosity over these last couple of years has helped us to begin a very badly needed 
project was is just to replace the roof of our sanctuary, which has already begun. And so you'll notice that there are trucks and the, the roof doesn't look so hot. Uh, well, that's just a sign of progress, but we are grateful for your generosity during our Open Palms campaign, which has made this available, along with the creation of the Palm Center, which is uh, on course, and we're grateful for that. So we are delighted for your contributions, and we look forward to the great things that God is up to in the future. Let us now continue our worship by the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of eternal life that you gave to your son Jesus. We want to respond to that gift, not only in our offerings, but by surrendering our lives totally to your will and direction. And we pray that you'll guide us, especially during this season, to be a reflection of the light of Jesus who's come into the world. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. And now uh, Carol's going to come down with the children, but also Genevieve is going to teach us a song. Aren't you excited? and sit over there, we're going to sing a song that involves the chancel choir and also all the kids and also all of you. And we'll do a lot of this little light of mine. But first we need to practice it because it's a little, you know, a little tricky. So you'll hear the, the chancel choir start and then my friend Isabella is going to sing a little solo here and then she's going to bring you in and it will sound like this. You're going to respond to everything that she sings. So come on and let's do it. Because you shine for me, because you shine for me, and I shine for you, and I shine for you, and we all shine together, and we all shine together. Oh, yes, it's true. She's going to sing a little bit more. You guys need to sing a little bit louder, I think. Your words are in the bulletin. So let's go to the second time around. And so let's all talk. Okay. So let's all sing. So let it all sing together. So let all sing together. This song we know. This song we know. This little light. This little light. Ready, set, go. into the three verses of um, this little light of mine and with motions so do the whole thing ready to go okay here we go <laughs> Together. Let us all sing together. This song we know. This song we know. 
had a lot of these angels and shepherds here yesterday at the Christmas pageant learning about the light of the world. And um, why don't we just say a prayer about that? Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to be the light of the world. And uh, help us to be that light to shine to so many people this Advent season and Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know, Presbyterians waving their hands. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Man, they're going to start calling us Pentecostalists after a while. I even saw some men doing that. That's whoa. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so very much. This little light of mine. So today we are continuing in our look at the prophets, and we are in the prophet Daniel. And this is not necessarily a story you're likely to hear during the Advent season, but we're continuing in this journey of listening to the prophetic voices and the prophetic actions that are taken uh, throughout the Old Testament as we wonder about uh, our embracing of the newborn Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom the prophets are pointing. And so today we are in Daniel 3, and this is an interesting story about the time when Israel is in uh, the Babylonian captivity. They have been taken from Israel and they've been dragged out into exile. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, orders that all of the kingdom, including the Jews who are in exile, all the kingdom are to bow down before this, this golden statue that he has created. Nine, 90 feet tall, this golden statue that they are supposed to bow down before them. And so the word comes that there are three young Jewish men uh, who have decided that they're not going to bow down before a golden uh, idol. And so the story picks up here, uh, at which time we learn about these three men and their, and their um, conversation with Nebuchadnezzar. So hear the word of God, verse 13, Daniel chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigen, the harp, the drum, and the entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall be immediately thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Following this particular passage, we learn that Nebuchadnezzar makes good on his threat, throws those three boys into the fire, 
and they are joined by a mysterious fourth being who protects them from the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar rescues them from the furnace and calls for all the kingdom to bow down before their God, not his God. And our second lesson is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Jesus told his disciples, if you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? Or what will they give in return for their life? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you give us this light, and we pray that you will help us in these moments to come to think about how we can shine that light in your world, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> a long time ago, I was given a book to read called The Outsiders, written actually by a teenager, Susan Hinton, S.E. Hinton, about two groups of high school kids in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was made into a movie in the 1980s by Francis Ford Coppola and launched the acting careers of none other than Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, Amelia Estevez, Diane Lane, Patrick Swayze, Ralph Macchio, and Matt Dillon. Not a bad cast. It's about the struggle for teenage identity and community, and it has a tragic end that thrusts most of the characters out of youth and childhood into the oft-felt peril of adulthood. Two of the boys, in the midst of the crisis of the story, share a poem with each other by Robert Frost called Nothing Gold Can Stay. And the poem goes like this. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down today, nothing gold can stay. It's a poem that speaks to the impermanence of life and how the beauty of our beginnings quickly changes into something different. Childhood becomes youth, youth becomes adulthood, adulthood becomes aging, and aging becomes death. Nothing gold can stay. It doesn't mean, though, that we don't want it to. There is so much in this life that we don't want to change. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons why we are so attracted, ironically, to gold itself. Gold, the metal, I mean, the, the permanence, seemingly, of gold. We are, we are drawn to gold. It's been that way since the very beginning of time. Human beings love gold. Somewhere in your home or on your person, there is gold. I have gold on my finger. We love gold. It's a precious and indestructible metal. It shines. It doesn't go away. It increases our net value along with a lot of other things we collect, houses, cars, toys. They feel real. They feel permanent. And we want to think that maybe, maybe gold can stay. 
And we don't want to think that gold can change us, yet gold does change things, doesn't it? It changes us. We don't like to think that's the case, but it really is. The more gold you have, the more chances change will occur for you. Lottery winners will tell you that they're going to stay the same person. But we know that that's not true. The truth is this non-living permanent thing, gold, acts upon you whether you want to believe it or not. The Romans told to each other the myth of Midas who loved his gold. When the god Dionysus came to him and promised to grant him one wish, Midas wished that, that whatever he could touch would turn to gold. So he got exactly what he wished for and what a great thing it was. Everything he touched turned to gold, including even his beautiful robe. But then things changed when he realized that he could no longer eat or drink because his food and drink turned to gold. And it's when he touched his daughter and she turned to gold that he realized the gift that he so wanted was not really the gift he wanted. Gold can change you. And the degree to which you believe that you are unsusceptible to such change is the degree to which you are likely susceptible. So Nebuchadnezzar in our story this morning decides to create for himself and for his empire a golden statue, 60 cubits high, 90 feet high, 90 feet of gold, and it, and it becomes his god to him, and he orders the empire to bow down to his new god, his new idol, 90 feet of gold. And, and this is not just a suggestion of Nebuchadnezzar. This is the law, the thing you do if you don't want to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And, and the empire, of course, then bows down all the peoples, all the nations, all the languages fell down and worshiped the golden statue, Scripture says. Not a hard thing to do, really, right? Gold's not a hard thing to bow down to. That feels like everybody else is doing it. Feels like a little cost, very little cost in bowing down before gold. Remember when your boss came in and told you that he really liked what you were doing and that he was putting in for a substantial raise for you, some more gold for you? A new title, a new golden title for you. Oh, and oh, by the way, there are just a few more things I need for you to do for me. I need for you to bow down to this gold I'm giving you. And you know how it is. Gold's never a hard thing to bow down to. <laughs> but there are these three faithful Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hear the king's orders to bow down to the gold and again, what's, what's, what's the harm? Especially if it means being avoiding the fiery furnace. I mean, what's the big deal? The whole empire's doing it, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down. Scripture doesn't tell us why. No words from these three. Lots of words from Nebuchadnezzar, but very little from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're just left to imagine that in the mind of these three Jewish men is this thought that to lay hold of the golden one is to let the golden one lay hold of me. Uh, to touch the golden one was to let the golden one touch them, to turn perhaps their flesh into gold and to render them as dead as the metal itself. 
You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understand the truth behind it all, that nothing gold can stay, nothing gold can live, nothing gold can do anything to you but change you into something you don't want to be. And what they wanted to be was sons of God. What they wanted to be was followers of God. What they wanted to be were the faithful friends of God. That's all they wanted, and that's all they were going to be. And if it meant getting thrown into the fiery furnace, then it meant getting thrown into the fiery furnace. But at least by getting thrown into the fiery furnace, they knew who they were. They were the sons of God, and that could never be taken from them because, you see, the only thing that stays, since gold doesn't stay, the only thing that stays is not what is on you, but what is inside you. That's the thing thing that stays. What's this thing that's inside us? Why, of course, it's our souls, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were, they were just trying to hold on to their souls. There was something about that statue that was going to do something to their souls. What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world, Jesus asked, and lose their soul? There's something inside here, Jesus says. It's your life, it's your, it's your soul, and it's precious, and it's fragile, and it's susceptible, and you must, you must protect it, you must cherish it, and you must realize how vulnerable it is. And when someone asks you to bow down, oh, best you check your soul. Don't let anyone mess with your soul. Rabbi Harold Kushner relays the parable of the West African tribe who noticed one day that their milking cows were not milking to the degree that they had once been. It seemed that every, more, every day, more and more, this was apparent. So they had one of their young members stay up to see if possibly someone was coming into their camp and stealing their milk. So in the middle of the night, the young man saw a, a moonbeam come down from the sky, and a beautiful sky maiden walked down the moonbeam, and she milked the cows into pails and quietly took the pails up the moonbeam into heaven. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. So the next night he stayed up, and there she came again, down the moonbeam, milked the cows, took the pails of milk back up the moonbeam. He was entranced not only by her brazenness, but even more so by her beauty. And the third night he set a trap and caught her, and she said, let me go. And he said, I won't let you go. I, will, I won't let you go until you promise to marry me. I will marry you, she said, if you let me go back to heaven for three days, and then I will come back and marry you. The young man concedes, the maiden disappears, and three days she returns on her moonbeam, carrying now a box. And she says, I will marry you upon condition that you never open this box. And he agreed. And they married, and they lived a wonderful life together until one day when she was not around, curiosity got the better of him, and he found her box, and he opened it. And inside, he could see nothing. He closed the box and returned it to its spot. When his wife came home, she knew right away. Why always do our wives know right away? And she went to her husband and said, why did you open the box? He said, I was curious. She said, well, then you cannot be my husband. 
Well, what's the big deal? He said, there's, there's nothing inside the box. Now you really can't be my husband, she said. Because what you could not see was that my box was full of heaven. And what is nothing to you is heaven to me. What is nothing to you is heaven to me. So when they asked Jesus about the kingdom of heaven and where it might be, he said, oh, no need to look far. The kingdom of heaven is inside you. You've got this box, you see. You've got this soul. And it's the place where heaven is supposed to reside. It is this invisible treasure that you hold on to. It's the knowledge of God, Calvin called it, that everyone brings with them from heaven. And it's this deep down sense that God is God and that God is good and that I'm a child of God and, and I am called to good. And the goodness of me that, that God has given is this little piece of heaven that gives me value. And there are these forces in the world that would just as soon open up that box and take it away because they can't see it for what it is. And they would just as soon have us bow down to 90 feet of gold or to the rising stock market or the 2018 model of this or that or to the Amazon Echo or to whatever piece of stuff that will someday end up in your garage sale. <laughs> and they will tell you that Christmas cannot be complete without it. And what they won't tell you is that what made Christmas complete was the little baby that came down the moonbeam to the virgin in Bethlehem, the one that brought heaven to earth in a dusty old manger, the one who came so that we wouldn't forget that there is this precious piece of heaven inside of us, and it's so easy, oh, it's so easy to give it away. It's so easy to sell it to the highest bidder. It's so easy to bow down to whatever they put in front of us. But the spots you've got, every one of us has, holds something precious, something more valuable than 24 carats. And it's your life. And it's the only thing that's going to last forever. Even the cross can't take it away. So when those wise, wise ones of long ago, you know, those wise men came to that dusty place and found the swaddled messenger from heaven, no surprise, right? No surprise that they laid before him their gold. They surrendered their gold as if to say nothing gold can stay. As if to save their very souls. And that's where the hope is, right? The little light of hope that we lit today, that's where it is, right? It's inside here, it's inside this box. It's inside that little piece of heaven that nobody knows but you. You and that baby coming down from heaven. That little, little goldless baby before whom all of heaven and earth will someday bow down.
Friends, the good news is that we are invited to this meal where the most important person present is the one that we can't see with our eyes. The one who promises to be present with us in this meal is the person of Jesus Christ who dwells not only with us in this table, at this table, but even more so dwells within our hearts. The one who is born of Mary is born again into our hearts. This is what Advent is about for us to remember with all the goings to and fro that there is one who has been born not just in Bethlehem, but has been born to us, born within us. So friends, when you come to this table today, be very much aware of the presence of the Messiah, the presence of Jesus at table and in your hearts, that you may claim once again your souls, and that you may take with you your souls into the world and face all those powers that would cause you to be something different than what you are. Here are the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Allow, O oh Lord, this moment to be a silent moment for us, that as we receive your bread and cup, we would once again open our lives up such that you may be born again and that we may claim once again that little box within us, our souls, and that we may live true to our souls. Join us at this table. Make us intimately aware of your presence through your Holy Spirit. and Allow these earthly gifts to become for us heavenly food. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shine. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made with him, through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. We thank you, O God, our hope and our salvation for this meal or feast of your love and forgiveness. We pray that you will now send us all out into the world to give and share your hope and to shine your light with all we meet near and far every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.